do you solemnly swear that in all things appertaining to the trial of the impeachment of Donald John Trump, President of the United States, now pending, you will do impartial justice according to the Constitution and laws, so help you God. Good luck with that, Senators. Good luck. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. Oh, no, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE, in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, in Palinville, New York on WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, New Orleans, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, in Janesville, Wisconsin on WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, Says me from bradblog.com. I have to start this way. Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. Desi Doyen is commanded to keep silent on pain of imprisonment. <laughs> Sorry, Des. You should probably explain what that That's means. That's just the rule. Nah, they'll figure it out. It, well, that is uh, what the Sergeant of Arms from the uh, U.S. House and the U- or the yeah, U.S. The Senate, Senate yes. actually has commanded the senators to uh, keep silent on pain of imprisonment during the now finally ongoing impeachment trial of Donald John Trump. And the reason I'm commanding Desi to keep silent on pain of (laughs) imprisonment is only because we have got so much to get through today. I have no idea how we're going to do it. Blockbusters pretty much in every block of our program. So Buckle up. We may not have time to breathe. Uh, So many blockbusters, in fact, that even though the official impeachment of Donald John Trump began on Thursday in a solemn ceremony presided over by the uh, in the U.S. Senate by the chief justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, John Roberts, requiring all 100 senators to follow to raise their right hand and swear a constitutional oath to do, quote, impartial justice. And then one by one, sign a book agreeing to follow that oath. Despite all of that, and the lead House impeachment manager, Adam Schiff, reading aloud the two articles of impeachment uh, by the president of the United States, we're going to have to skip that ceremony to get to some of the blockbuster breaking news that may affect that solemn proceeding uh, big time. 
in the days ahead. And uh, also to get a follow up on our reporting on the broadcast from earlier in the week regarding the three hundred million dollar boondoggle of an unverifiable touchscreen voting system that will be used for the first time out here in Los Angeles in the March 3rd Super Tuesday primary, despite its failure to meet state voting system standards at least 40 times, as determined by independent testers reviewing the new system uh, on behalf of the Secretary of State before he certifies that system for use as early as next week, unless he is stopped by either our exclusive reporting on this matter in some way. Uh, on, on these uh, testing failures and your notes to the secretary of state asking him not to certify. Or it also could be stopped by a lawsuit that we have learned the city of Beverly Hills is now considering filing against the county due to a huge design flaw that they have identified and that we will discuss in a little bit that may blow your mind, along with, uh, oh, uh, gulp, an actual response to our reporting from Dean Logan, the Registrar Recorder County Clerk in Los Angeles County, after months of him refusing to answer my questions on about the system or appear on the show as he used to, etc. So that is all ahead, along with Desi Doyen's special Green News Report coverage of this week's Democratic presidential debate in Iowa. But we have to start here. The White House violated federal law when it withheld security aid to Ukraine last year, according to a decision by a congressional watchdog released on Thursday. The Government Accountability Office, or GAO, a nonpartisan agency that reports to Congress, found that the Trump administration broke a law that governs how the White House disperses money approved by Congress when the White House withheld $214 million worth of equipment, training, and other support to help Ukraine in its battle against Russian-backed forces. The unlawfully withheld Pentagon aid was overwhelmingly approved by bipartisan majorities in Congress. This GAO report comes just hours before the Senate opened the impeachment trial of Donald Trump on Thursday. The decision reads, quote, faithful execution of the law does not permit the president to substitute his own policy priorities for those that Congress has enacted into law. The White House Office of Management and Budget, or OMB, withheld funds for policy reasons, which is not permitted under the Impoundment Control Act. Now, there are no potential criminal penalties associated with a violation of the ICA, the Impoundment Control Act. So there's there will be no prosecution of officials for this violation, but it was still a violation of federal law and provides damning evidence of what Democrats have been charging in these impeachment proceedings. They immediately tried to use the report to demand more disclosures by the White House as part of the impeachment push. Nancy Pelosi said that the uh, OMB, the White House, the administration broke the law. She said this once again enforces the need for documents and eyewitnesses in the Senate. So uh, White House, the GAO decision, according to The Washington Post, brings new scrutiny to a chain of events at the White House's OMB last year when top White House officials gave directives to the Pentagon to withhold aid for Ukraine 
when some OMB officials objected, apparently. They warned that it would be improper, and at least two officials resigned from the OMB, in part over concerns about all of this, the withholding of that Ukraine money. White, the White House uh, was withholding the aid at the time because Trump was pressing Ukraine's new president, Vladimir Zelensky, to announce an investigation of Hunter Biden, the son of the former vice president, Joe Biden, who is uh, a political rival of Donald Trump's. Senator Chris Van Hollen called this a bombshell legal opinion which demonstrates that uh, the Trump administration illegally withheld security assistance from Ukraine. So uh, the the, uh, House Minority Leader Kevin uh, McCarthy, meanwhile, says that he thinks that withholding of aid was 100, quote, 100 percent the right decision because these are taxpayer dollars going to another country that people believe there is corruption with a new administration. I think it was the right thing to do, he said. So got that? The House Minority Leader believes that violating the law is the right thing to do by the White House. And he's willing to pretend that Trump's withholding of the money was due to concerns about corruption in Ukraine when all available evidence and the experts who determine these things at the Pentagon and the State Department, etc., all say that was not the case. But it is not just them. It is now, according to an absolutely blockbuster of an interview on Wednesday night with Rachel Maddow on MSNBC, even Trump's own team who is now admitting this all had nothing to do with corruption in Ukraine and everything to do with Trump hoping to force, to strong arm, to muscle, to bribe, to extort, whatever you want to call it, Ukraine to announce an investigation of Joe Biden in advance of the 2020 election. And incredibly, Lev Parnas, a right-hand man apparently to Rudy Giuliani, is now admitting all of this out loud as he did in this amazing interview with Maddow. If you haven't seen the whole thing, please do. Please make the uh, effort to watch it. I wish I could play it all here, but we don't have the time. But in this interview with Maddow, he names names, which apparently includes pretty much everybody in the administration at this point, and he's not shy about any of it. She also promises there's going to be a part two of all of this, this interview with Parnas on Thursday night. So buckle up for that, too. But I want to play at least a few minutes here where Lev Parnas, who, keep in mind, is facing campaign finance uh, violation charges for donating to Trump and Republicans, et cetera, with someone else's money, uh, along with his partner, Igor Fruman, who was also part of the Rudy Giuliani gang who was working on this or the team, as Parnas called it. So he may be trying, Parnas may be trying to get prosecutors to give him a deal if he sings, and boy, howdy, is he singing. And in doing so, he has leapt to the center of the impeachment of Donald Trump, uh, with House Democrats releasing a series of documents from Parnas that detail his work with Trump's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, and with Ukrainian officials. This uh, interview with Maddow, uh, in this interview, he said there was no secret about what was going on among Trump team members in Ukraine, including with a lot of key people. Crucially, Parnas indicated that then Secretary uh, National, I'm sorry, then uh, National Security Advisor John Bolton was well aware of everything that was going on. He said that Bolton spoke with 
the Ukrainian president, Zelensky, and that uh, Bolton was a key witness in this matter. Bolton has said that he would testify, by the way, in the Senate impeachment trial if he is subpoenaed to do so. Parnas said 100 percent he knows what happened. That quote, of course, could loom large as Democrats seek to persuade just four Senate Republicans is all they would need uh, to join them to vote to allow Bolton to testify along with other witnesses in the impeachment trial. Parnas also named Vice President Mike Pence, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, Congressman Devin Nunes, Attorney General Bill Barr, among others, as all knowing what was going on here and being a part of this scheme to strong arm the Ukrainian president. Right off the bat in the interview, he said he wanted to talk because he has been watching all of the impeachment hearings and the coverage of it, and he has been shocked seeing officials from the White House pretty much lie about everything, which he was asked uh, about right at the top by Rachel Maddow. What do you think is the main inaccuracy or the main lie that's being told that you feel like you can correct? That the president didn't know what was going on. Uh, President Trump knew exactly what was going on. Uh, he was aware of all of my movements. Uh, he, I wouldn't do anything without the consent of Rudy Giuliani or the president. I have no intent, I have no reason to speak to any of these officials. I mean, they have no reason to speak to me. Why would President Zelensky's inner circle or the minister of Akov or all these people or President Poroshenko meet with me? Who am I? Mm -hmm. They were told to meet with me. And uh, that's the secret that they're trying to keep. I was on the ground doing their work. In terms of the president and what he has said about you, um, he said about you and Mr. Fruman, Igor Fruman, I don't know those gentlemen. I don't know about them. I don't know what they do. You're saying that was not a true statement from the president. He lied. I mean, we're not friends. I mean, when you say friends, I mean, me and him didn't watch football games together. We didn't eat hot dogs. But he knew exactly who we were. He knew exactly who I was, especially because I interacted with him at a lot of events. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations with him at uh, um, gatherings where they would have special, like these round tables where there would be only six people at a table. We've had several of those. And basically, I mean, I was with Rudy more than, I mean, four or five days out of the week. I mean, and I was in content, con constant contact with him. So, and I was with Rudy when he would speak to the president plenty of times. I mean, so it's just ludicrous. You've been with Mr. Giuliani when he was on the phone with the president? Absolutely. And how would you know that he was on the phone with the president? Would it be on speakerphone or you well, could just Well, several times it would be on speakerphone where he would like start the conversation on speakerphone and then take it off and then go somewhere sideways, you know, to talk to him. But a lot of times it would be on the golf course when we were golfing together, especially I remember during the Mueller uh, times where uh, Rudy, I remember, said something that he didn't appreciate or was taken out of context and he was screaming at him so loud. That's why when I watched the impeachment and I saw the testimony about the Sullivan, that I reiterate, I could understand that uh, you could hear President Trump talking next to, like I heard him several times when he was with Rudy. Because he speaks loudly on the phone. Very loudly, yeah. When you say that the president knew um, about your movements and knew what you were doing, are you saying specifically, and I want to sort of drill down on that, that the president was aware that you and Mr. Giuliani were working on this effort in Ukraine 
to basically try to hurt Joe Biden's political career. He was he knew basically. about that. Yeah, well, it was, it was all about Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and uh, also Rudy had a personal thing with the Manafort stuff, uh, uh, the Black Ledger, mm -hmm. and that was another thing uh, that they were looking into. But uh, it was never about. Uh, corruption. It was never. It was strictly about uh, the Burisma, which included Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. Your attorney told the told a federal court in New York that you were both Rudy Giuliani's clients and you were working for Mr. Giuliani in his capacity as personal attorney to the president. Correct. Which by the transitive property makes it seem like you were working for the president of the United States as absolutely. part of his legal defense. Yes, absolutely. And so did anybody in the US government or Mr. Giuliani actually convey to officials in Ukraine that you were there as a representative of absolutely. President Trump? Absolutely. Every, to each one of those officials that you know, they, I put Rudy on the phone with Mr. Avakov, Minister Avakov several times, uh, Ivan Bakanov, uh, Yuri Lutsenko at the time was the uh, 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 general. The first thing I did is to introduce myself and tell him I'm here on behalf of Rudy Giuliani and the President of the United States, and I'd like to put you on speaker form for you know to confirm him, which we did. We put Rudy on the phone. Rudy relayed to him basically that we were there on behalf of the President of the United States. That you were there to speak on President Trump's behalf. Correct. Exactly. Those exact words. That was uh, Lev Parnas uh, speaking with Rachel Maddow. Lev Parnas, a, uh, a, on the team, a right-hand man of Rudy Giuliani in this entire Ukraine scheme. Uh, he told Maddow that Ukrainian President Zelensky's May 2019 inauguration was, in effect, part of this pressure campaign. It included Vice President Mike Pence and his lack of attendance. He was ordered to not go because Ukraine had not yet announced investigations into Joe Biden and alleged interference against Donald Trump during the 2016 election. Maddow asked, do you know if Vice President Pence was aware that that was a, the quid pro quo? He says that was uh, she asked that what that that was the trade and that it was, in fact, why his inauguration visit was called off. Parnas replied, I'm going to use the famous quote from Gordon Sonderland. Quote, everybody was in the loop. Apparently, everyone includes not just the, pre the vice president and the president, but it includes Attorney General Bill Barr, according to Parnas in his interview with Maddow. Uh, when she asked about that and uh, Parnas cited Bill Barr as, quote, on the team with Trump's personal attorneys, Rudy Giuliani and Fox News attorneys Victoria Tensing and Joe DeGeneva, who worked with them. They were all on the team in the scheme. They all apparently worked with indicted Ukrainian oligarch Dmitry Firtash, who is uh, fighting extradition to the U.S. and was trying to do favors for the team in exchange for his own indictment in the U.S. being dropped, being done away with. So Attorney General Bill Barr's involvement in this scheme is no small matter either, along with the vice president of the United States. Did you ever meet with or speak with or have any interactions with Attorney General William Barr? I personally did not uh, speak to him, but I was involved in uh, lots of conversations that uh, Jody Genova had with him in front of me, Rudy had with him in front of me, and setting up meetings with Dimitri Firtish's team. I was involved in that. Do you know if Mr. Giuliani was ever in contact with Mr. Barr specifically about the fact that he was trying to get Ukraine to announce these investigations into Joe Biden? Oh, absolutely. That Mr. Barr knew about that. Mr. Barr had to have known everything. 
I mean, it's impossible. Did Rudy Giuliani tell you he'd spoken to the Attorney General specifically about Ukraine? Not only Rudy Giuliani, I mean, Victoria and Joe, are, they were all best friends. I mean, Barr, uh, Barr was, uh, Attorney General Barr was basically on the team. When President Trump and President Zelensky spoke in July, we know from the White House notes of the call that President Trump told Mr. Zelensky that he should contact William Barr about these investigations Correct. that he wanted him to do, including into Joe Biden. Correct. Um, that struck a lot of people as strange. Attorney General Barr was purportedly upset and didn't know why he would have been mentioned in this context, but it sounds like it makes sense to you that... Absolutely. Uh, because uh, we, we knew about the Durham investigation and that was going to be part of, I mean, that uh, uh, Attorney General Barr wanted to get to the bottom of uh, the Biden stuff and everything like that. I think he might have got upset that Trump talked about the president oust, ousted him maybe that he didn't want to be in the public line like he was doing it but it was known internally that he was investigating the investigators so uh, william barr bill barr the attorney general he too was on the team i mean it's just blockbuster after blockbuster from parnas uh, if he can believe be, be believed uh that said he seemed very credible he seemed to answer every question easily and in great detail. So, again, I would urge you to watch Maddow's entire interview because it could turn out to be the blockbuster interview of the decade, uh, especially if Parnas is now called because of it to testify at the Senate impeachment hearing, as he clearly should be given his first uh, his, his firsthand eyewitness catbird seat that he had uh, on all of this for uh, so long. Uh, just Amazing. My jaw it's was a gape. bonkers. <laughs> but th that said, the blockbusters continue on the broadcast after we take a quick break here as the as a city here in Los Angeles is now threatening to sue L.A. County over its new unverifiable touchscreen voting system that will be used on Super Tuesday, March 3rd, after they discovered a huge design flaw in it. And as the L.A. County clerk finally responds to our coverage, sort of. All of that and more straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to The Bradcast. Nice going. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us out today. Yeah, that bumper music will make sense to you in just a moment. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Well, the Beverly Hills 
California, out here in Los Angeles, the Beverly Hills City Council has voted to move ahead with a possible lawsuit against election officials responsible for the new Los Angeles County voting equipment which we've been warning about for some time, some weeks, some months, some years. It will debut in the March 3rd primary, according to this story by Libby Dankman at LAist this week. This uh, lawsuit, this report about it, comes in the wake of our exclusive reporting on this program on Monday, revealing that the new $300 million unverifiable touchscreen ballot marking device, or BMD, voting system, Set for first-time use in the nation's largest voting jurisdiction for the crucial March 3rd presidential primary election, failed to meet more than 40 different California voting system standards for usage and security, as found by the independent certification testing team hired by the California Secretary of State as part of the certification process for these new computer voting systems that all voters at least here in L.A. County, will be forced to use at the polling place in Los Angeles this year. Uh, I will have more on that specifically in a moment, including finally a response from Los Angeles County Registrar Recorder County Clerk Dean Logan, who had failed to answer any of my questions in recent months. Uh, or to appear on this program, as he used to. But after broadcast coverage uh, earlier in the week, it seems Dean Logan had a change of heart. At least he decided to respond to our coverage uh, and our call for folks to contact the Secretary of State here in California via email at votingsystems at sos.ca.gov to demand that he not certify these terrible, unverifiable voting systems and allow for hand-marked paper ballots at the polls this year. Instead, as the uh, deadline for the public comment period in the final certification process for these systems ends this Monday, January 20. I'll give you that email address again in a bit here. But back to Libby Dankman at LAS to uncovered uh, an, an area of, of concern, a huge area of concern that I had not even uh, detailed really previously with these systems. She reports the new machines are digital and there are concerns due to the system's design that voters will vote without seeing all of the candidates because of this huge design flaw. March 3rd, as she notes, will be the first time that Beverly Hills uh, syncs up its city council elections with state, uh, statewide races in even-numbered years, 2020 being such a year, to comply with a recent law aimed at boosting voter participation in local contests, which had been running uh, uh, sometimes in off years and getting low voter turnout. So now they're going to do them at the same time in even-numbered years, along with all of these other elections. That's good. Hopefully it will boost turnout. However... Now, Beverly Hills, which is part of Los Angeles County, voters there will be forced to use these machines this March 3rd, Super Tuesday, uh, for their uh, local elections, as well as the presidential primary and the design flaw on these system on this uh, these new systems. 
<laughs> is incredibly disturbing. Uh, back to Libby here. Uh, Councilman Julian Gold, who's running for re-election, says that the way the tablet computers on L.A.'s new devices display candidates in each race is, quote, flawed and could potentially change the outcome of important elections. The issue, she writes, when a race appears on the ballot marking devices... Only the first four candidates fit on the screen. To see more choices, a voter then has to hit a button marked more to choose uh, from the next four contenders in that particular race. Hence our more, more, more uh, bumper (laughs) music there. Uh, But there is also a button right next to the more button that says next. And if you hit next, according to Gold, instead of more, you're done. You move on to the next race. He called this a design flaw because a voter can skip ahead in the ballot without seeing the full list of candidates. Well, I should say so. It is a huge design flaw. Yeah, I seem to recall that being a similar flaw in a little election called Florida 2000. Oh, yeah, when it was uh, hard to use the ballots uh, and confusing about who you were voting for and if you were seeing the right candidates. In this case, you might not see them at all. You would never know. Now, LA, uh, L.A.'s uh, Registrar Recorder's uh, county clerk, as Dean Logan's office, has apparently tweaked the visibility of the More button in these systems after feedback uh, from a series of mock elections that were held out here last fall. The county added a pulsating yellow ring around the More button and uh, in hopes of drawing attention to the candidate options further down the ballot. And he plans to hang signage and train election workers to inform voters about all of this. Nonetheless, Councilman Gold, who was first elected to Beverly Hills City Council in 2011, says the setup still clearly disadvantages anyone listed after the first four candidates on the ballot. His name, as it turns out this year, is fifth on that ballot based on a random drawing, and that's always done. There's always uh, an order to these ballots that is randomly drawn, and, and candidates up at the top do tend to do much better. Uh, even in hand-marked paper ballot systems, but at least you can see them all at once. Here, you can't, and here you might skip over them entirely, not even knowing they exist. He says the issue is bigger than his own re-election bid. He said, what if the front runners in the presidential race are not on the first page? He says the county spent a fortune on this system. He He's right, $300 million. That's like a third of a billion dollars, if you're wondering. The county spent a fortune on this system, and they missed this simple thing. Well, they sure did. And all I can say is, you know, knowing how much Bernie Sanders fans are convinced that uh, Bernie was robbed in California back in 2016 against Hillary Clinton in the primary. You know, I find I should note, I find no evidence that Bernie Sanders was actually targeted that year out here in uh, in 2016. But frankly, the evidence doesn't matter if people believe that they were robbed. That is, in itself, damaging to confidence in democracy, which I think we have seen ever since the 2016 election in this country. 
uh, on the Democratic side I'm talking about here, and it's why it is so important to use voting systems that the public can oversee and that the public can have confidence in. So, you know, if I'm L.A. County Clerk Dean Logan right now, I am praying that the random order of the uh, drawing of candidates for the March 3rd primary does not put Bernie Sanders as number five on the ballot or six or seven or eight. Now, the bigger issue uh, is that no matter who the candidate is uh, who ends up as number five or six or seven or eight, I would be furious if I was one of them. As uh, Councilman Gold reportedly is, if if my name was not on the first screen of candidates, given how easy it is to confuse the more button with the next button, which is right next to it, which would just skip you to the next contest. So you never even see that there are more candidates in the race. I mean, for three hundred million dollars, seriously, they could not come up with a computer system that displays all candidates on a single screen. Really? Mind you, uh, even if you as a candidate are are not robbed uh, by being number five or later on the ballot, if, if you happen to draw that, you know, you and your supporters would have every right to be furious about it and claim that it was because voters did not see your name that you lost your election. Even if that wasn't why, it seems to me you would have a ground uh, grounds for a lawsuit. That alone should be a no-go for the certification of this system by the California Secretary of State, who, did I mention, has a public comment period on this matter open only until uh, next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific time, uh, where you can write to him with your thoughts on whether this system should be certified at all at votingsystems at sos.ca.gov. Now, a lot of people have been uh, CCing me or uh, BCCing me uh, with their uh, emails to the California Secretary of State on this, uh, many of them coming from other places, either in the state, not in L.A. County, uh, elsewhere in California, or in other states. And guess what? You should, even if you're in other states, because Dean Logan is planning If things go well with this system this year, he's planning to sell this system to other states and other counties around the country. You can even uh, call the secretary, California Secretary of State, in addition uh, to emailing, if you prefer, the number to call that they have put out specifically for responses on uh, certification of these systems is 916-695-695. 1680. That's 916-695-1680 or voting systems at sos.ca.gov. Libby Dankman notes that on January 9, the three members of the Beverly Hills City Council who are not running for re-election voted, in fact, to file a lawsuit against L.A. County and the Secretary of State, quote, if we have to, according to Gold. He added that other L.A. County uh, cities and uh, city organizations are also exploring legal options, adding, quote, this just doesn't work. Uh, He's right. Dr. Gold is absolutely right. Now, to give you an idea of just how uh, misleading that L.A. County clerk Dean Logan has been about all of this, he finally began responding 
uh, to my critiques, my concerns, my questions. This week, finally, attempting to dismiss or marginalize many of them after refusing to answer simple questions for many months now or appear on this show for many months to answer those questions. I will share his main response posted in a Twitter thread uh, this week in a moment, but it resulted in a fairly terse back and forth between him and me on Twitter which included uh, me asking about the, quote, scrolling pages prob. His response came as I was trying to watch and and cover Tuesday night's Democratic debate, so my use of the word scrolling pages uh, was imperfect there, I think. But I was referring to the problem identified by the certification testers that all the candidates did not fit onto a single screen, as we have now learned, Beverly Hills may be suing over. So I had asked about the scrolling pages problem. His response on Twitter, Dean Logan's response, he's the county clerk of the largest voting jurisdiction in the nation, quote, scrolling is prohibited in CVSS. That's the California Voting System Standards. So that was it. Scrolling is prohibited in CVSS, as if the system had no problem with that issue. When, so, so he understood what you were asking. I'm sure I'm that sure. the next you have to go to next or more, and that's confusing yep. for voters. But he, since you use the word scrolling, it sounds like he took that as an opportunity to pretend like, yes. oh, there's no problem at all. He uh, almost certainly knew what I was talking about. I guess I could have said or should have said the pagination issue or some such. In any event, you know, I like Dean. I like Dean Logan. I've worked with him in in various capacities over the years, often helping to counter a lot of the misinformation that gets out there about California and Los Angeles elections and uh, about his office. But he is not and has not been operating in good faith for quite a while when it comes to this new $300 million boondoggle of a new voting system for Los Angeles with problems that I identified to him directly years ago, which is why he no longer seems to want to answer any of my questions now that other people are catching on to the problems that I identified for him years ago. He knows I've got this one right. As a matter of fact, um, the author of that piece uh, at the LAist, uh, Libby Dankman, about that uh, Beverly Hills lawsuit, she told me last night that she uh, she credits... Uh, my muckraking on this certification issue, along with uh, uh, Jenny Cohn's uh, amplification of my reporting on Twitter, uh, with the fact that uh, Logan is finally responding even to some of her questions uh, that he was also apparently hoping to dodge. So, you know, we're doing what we can here with the little that we have to work with. This would be much easier if you know, progressives were allowed to be on the same number of radio stations as right-wingers across the country. Anyway, I'll uh, keep my whining to myself for the moment. So (laughs) during the debate, uh, during the debate on Tuesday night, the Democratic debate in Des Moines, following on the heels of my exclusive report on all of this on Monday, the failures being found by the independent testers looking at certification of this system and a follow up on that on Tuesday's show uh, about those failures um, of these 100 percent unverifiable VSAP systems, which stands for Voting Solutions for All People, touchscreen voting systems. Dean finally responded on Twitter to all of this after dodging me for months. So uh, I want to share his response in full, uh, to be fair, and I would have shared it 
you know, initially I would have shared it a long time ago, but he doesn't talk to me anymore. Anyway, he goes to Twitter uh, during the debate and he posts recent posts by The Brad Blog and Jenny Cohn regarding the pending certification of the uh, L.A. County VSAP system are misleading and inaccurately represent the California voting system's certification process. This is a a four-tweet thread. The testing reports posted in the Secretary of State's website are part of a comprehensive testing and review process. The results are disclosed, and then there is ongoing communication about mitigation, conditions, refinement, etc., all covered prior to a uh, cert decision. Both at the public hearing and in the staff report, the county and vendors' responsiveness to to identified issues was referenced and openly discussed. The state will ultimately determine the viability of the modifications and and the mitigation. VSAP has, from inception, been about improving the voter experience engaging voters uh, around access and about ensuring a secure, accurate, and reliable publicly owned voting system. That remains the case and has carried through in the testing and pending certification process. He says VSAP has intentionally been through unprecedented user testing, public demonstration, independent technical review, a mock election, a pilot election, and a manual audit of that pilot. We are committed to security, accuracy, usability, and compliance. So that statement from Dean Logan, the Registrar Recorder County Clerk of Los Angeles County, in response to the uh, more than 40 Uh, uh, problems, violations of the California voting system's requirements here uh, during testing of this brand new system. He is claiming that, uh, sure, they found all of these problems, but we have been uh, speaking with the uh, testers and the secretary of state about various mitigation things that we can do, modifications that we can make, etc. Now, in response to it, I tweeted back, Would you like to come on the program and explain what you believe I have gotten wrong in my quotes of the actual certification documents? I said, as you know, I have invited you for months to come on and discuss the system. You have declined to even answer my questions about it. He has yet to answer that tweet or accept my invitation. I also asked him, uh, where are the documents that demonstrate the mitigations you suggest have been successful? I received no answer on that. I said, where are the independent, quote, independent technical review documents that you uh, that that do not reveal more than 40 violations of California state voting system standards? As you know, I wrote, we have requested those for many months. The ones available show your system failed multiple tests. He did not respond to any of those questions, but he did respond to other people trying to get answers from him on uh, on this. And you can find him, by the way, online on Twitter at L.A. County R-R-C-C, if you have any questions, maybe he'll answer you. On Twitter, he, Dean Logan is L.A. County R-R-C-C. Um, so uh, his, uh, his main response uh, was to some of these other folks was to post a screenshot of the conclusion paragraph from a document called Staff Report as prepared by Secretary of State's Office of Voting Systems Technology Assessment 
on December 24, 2019 is when this document was uh, apparently published. So Christmas Eve last year, of course, when very few, including me, were able to notice it. It's a document which discusses those, you know, more than 40 voting system standards that the VSAP failed to meet and the county's responses to those uh, failures. And in some cases, their promises of various mitigation steps, though the main ones are not detailed in the document, which is why I asked him about it. And there is no evidence that anybody has tested those mitigations to make sure that they would solve the problems that were identified. But the screenshot from the document he posted is merely one paragraph. And this is, I guess, supposed to answer all questions. Conclusion from the Secretary of State's voting system staff. Conclusion, the VSAP tally 2.0 voting system in the configuration tested and documented by the County of Los Angeles's use procedures meets all applicable California and federal laws. The County of Los Angeles's VSAP tally 2.0 voting system is compliant with all applicable California and federal laws. So that is his response. The sum total of his response to your request is to say, hey, show us those documents. One screenshot of a paragraph. From the right, from the staff of the Secretary of State who says this is all in compliance. Now, uh, do I have time? Yeah, let me fit this in. I, I was able to uh, sort of jump in and insert myself into a, uh, some of the other conversations that Dean was having uh, was that he was willing to have with others asking him questions. Obviously, he's trying to avoid as many as possible with me for some reason. In response to that conclusion screenshot that uh, all is well, don't worry, these aren't the droids you're looking for, uh, I responded to say, uh, this document does not speak to the concerns that I reported as quoted from the state's testing reports. For example, where are the tests of your USB boot mitigation. The testers found that a USB jump drive could be stuck into one of the USB ports and you could bypass all of the security and change the entire system, essentially. I said, what about the scrolling pages problem? You remember that? Uh, what of the system uh, returning verified ballots, quote, verified ballots back through the print heads afterwards. Remember, these systems will spit out a computer marked paper ballot, which you're supposed to look at and uh, approve. And once you approve it, it then goes right back through the same printer path where the system could change your votes, could print new votes on the way back in. And you would never know. That's a problem. None of his documents speak to that. Uh, cybersecurity experts say this is a huge security failure. So uh, Dean Logan did respond to my question about the uh, the printer path. He says uh, this has been posted available for quite some time concerning the paper path. And he leads me to a, a four page document on this. His uh, document details how the ballot is uh, printed with this system. Uh, and that it's supposedly approved by the voter and then goes back through the same printer heads. And there are pictures of all of this, diagrams of all of this. Uh, now, the document claims that the printer heads are disengaged and turn away, turned away from the ballot when the ballot goes back through the printer path the second time. I noted to him that the document indeed confirms that the paper does run back through the printer path after verification. His response Quote, 
paper path specifically designed with blind alley so the ballot does not go back through print heads during the casting process. My response in kind uh, as to the ballot going back through the printer path, the software tells the printer path whether to be up or down at any given time. No. His response, the print heads only engage when printing, not during casting. My response, print heads in only engage when printing, not during casting, as instructed by the software. Correct? In other words, just because the software says, hey, printer heads, don't print right now, doesn't mean that the software can't be changed or hacked or in error to what? Yes, print new selections on the ballot after the voter has already approved it in a way that the voter would never, ever could never, ever know. He has not responded to that question. <laughs> my my point that this is all done, you know, by software. Uh, so uh, and that's where we are. He hasn't responded because guess what? He knows I'm right. And uh, speaking of uh, being supposedly verified by the voter in that step, I asked him again on that same last question that he hasn't answered. I said, while you're finally answering questions, I'd love your comment on the new University of Michigan study finding that 93 percent of voters, even when prompted, do not notice when the BMD, the ballot marking device, has changed one of their votes. That was a study that was out last week. We reported on it last week. He has yet to answer that question either. The fact that, you know, even if voters bother to review these computer marked ballots, uh, as this test found from University of Michigan, where they actually changed a vote. And, they actually hacked yeah. the software yeah. to change the vote. Yeah. And, and uh, told the voters, you must check your ballot to make sure it's correct before you cast it. Ninety three percent of them did not notice that a vote had been changed. He has yet to answer that question either for some reason. Uh, anyway, by the way, uh, Jenny Cohn dug up this uh, tweet of Dean's from last August when he said the VSAP system is required to be certified under the California voting system standards, which are recognized as some of the strongest codified security standards in the nation. L.A. County and our contractor have engaged multiple third party testers in assessing security as well. Well, guess what? They haven't made those security documents available, those tests available as far as I know. And guess what? Um, while it has to be certified under California voting system standards, the strongest uh, standards in the nation, well, it failed to uh, pass at least 40 of them when the system was test, and now it might be certified anyway, despite Dean Logan's promise last August. So once again, we got to get out here, but write to voting systems at sos.ca.gov before the public comment period ends. Monday, January 20 at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, and again, the phone number 916-695-1680. Doing what we can here. Speaking of doing what we can, the GNR is next with Desi Doyen and her special Green News Report coverage of Tuesday night's 2020 Democratic presidential debate in Des Moines. The last debate before voting begins next month in Iowa and elsewhere. And with climate change issues proliferating the entire debate for a happy change, that's straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman.
Five major corporations now control more than 80 percent of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The broadcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. All I can say, Desi Doyen, <laughs> is that people who stop by bradblog.com slash donate, uh, they get their money's worth out of this program. I hope so. We I, do try. We do try. <laughs> uh, boy, oh boy, uh, is there a lot of news in today's uh, broadcast. Uh, and it's not over yet as we get to our latest green news report. Climate change threatens every living thing on this planet. We have got to take on the fossil fuel industry and all of their lies. I would declare a state of emergency on day one on climate. When we do this, we have to make sure uh, that we make people whole. We can create millions of good paying jobs. The question is, are we going to make sure any of this actually gets done? Great question. Green News reports special coverage. Climate change pervades the final Democratic presidential debate before 2020 voting begins. All of that pervasion and more. Is that a word? Straight ahead from Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Climate change has come to America from coast to coast. Coast to coast. Or as it will be called in 20 years, Cincinnati to Denver. <laughs> this is your Green News Report. Well, okay, Desi Doyen, you have been begging for it for years, and I think you finally got it. Climate change issues were just throughout the entire presidential debate on Tuesday night. Yeah, that's pretty good news. Climate change is no longer an outlier in presidential debates, at least in the Democratic presidential primary mm. so far. It was a running theme in the debate in Des Moines, Iowa on Tuesday, where polls show climate change is among the voters' top priorities. There was a really good chunk dedicated to climate change in the debate itself, and the six candidates frequently raised the issues of climate and environmental justice themselves. Even when they weren't being asked about it. Exactly. In a section on international trade, for example, independent Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders said he's voting against President Trump's new USMCA trade agreement with Mexico and Canada because it doesn't even mention the words climate change. And given the fact that climate change is right now, the greatest threat facing this planet, I will not vote for a trade agreement that does not incorporate very, very strong principles to significantly lower fossil fuel emissions uh, in the world. Billionaire businessman turned climate activist Tom Steyer, who brought climate change into nearly all of his answers, agreed with Bernie Sanders on the need to incorporate climate targets into every facet of U.S. policy. We cannot put climate on the back seat all the time and, and say, we're going to sign this one more deal. We're going to do one more thing without putting climate first. If anyone's going to buy their way into this race, as he did, well, 
at least he's fighting our climate crisis. South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg raised the issue of environmental justice when he was asked if he would use federal funding to relocate communities, farms, and factories, which are still reeling from the record floods in the Midwest this past spring. We are going to have to use federal funds to make sure that we are supporting those whose lives will inevitably be impacted further. And that disproportionately happens to black and brown Americans, which is why equity and environmental justice have to be at the core of our climate Thank plan. Thank you, Mayor Buttigieg. Former Vice President Joe Biden focused on the jobs boom that would be generated in an economy-wide investment in climate-resilient green infrastructure. Biden also told farmers in Iowa how climate policies would help them, too. We're the only country in the world that's ever taken great crisis and turned it into great opportunity. And one of the ways to do it is with farmers here in Iowa by making them the first group in the world to get to net zero emissions by paying them for planting and absorbing carbon in their fields. Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota was the only candidate to mention a price on carbon emissions. And she also differentiated her policies from her fellow candidates by rejecting the idea of a ban on fracking. When it comes to uh, the issue of fracking, I actually see uh, natural gas as a transition fuel to where we get to carbon neutral. Carbon neutral by 2045 to 2050. But environmental groups say that expanding fracking in the United States will entrench long-lasting fossil fuel infrastructure for decades. And that could make that carbon neutral target by 2050 difficult, if not impossible, to achieve. Finally, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren focused on tackling corruption and breaking the stranglehold of corporations in government as crucial to enacting meaningful climate policy. Industry came in and said we can make big money if we keep them divided and make no change. Priority number one has to be taking back our government from the corruption. That is the only way we will make progress on climate. So the good news is all of the Democratic presidential candidates clearly get it on the need to act swiftly on climate change. That's in contrast to the climate science denier currently in the White House. The other good news is that all of those who are raising hell about this, it's finally getting heard, at least by the Democrats. Yep. For much more on this story and the many we couldn't get to today because of our special coverage, please stop by our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. And our thanks to those of you who support our work by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Let's go! Yeah. Let's raise some hell. Keep raising hell, Desi Doyen. Thank (laughs) you very much. We got to get out. Thanks to our producer, of course, uh, Desi Doyen, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. We hope we made it worth your while. If not, you can send your complaints straight to me. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. You can also find, follow, and share what I do on the Twitters at TheBradBlog. I think that's it for today. Oh, if you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. I hope you will. I hope you will share it far and wide. That is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Keep raising hell, world.